0: This is uh, Ollie McClellan-Cumby. She was a McClellan. Oh, who's and that little crying baby? That was uh, Neoma Rayburn. No wonder they quit having them. And <laughs> this is Rob Roy-Cumby. <laughs> and this is um, uh, Aunt <laughs> Lil. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? Hi, I'm Ernest Cumby. I'm one of the original Cumbies that settled this area in around 1850 Uh, so that would make me uh, about six generations and uh, uh, some of us have stayed in the community all of our lives others have moved away but uh, there's still a good segment of the companies living in the area they settled many 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 years ago Uh, my father was a farmer his father was a cattleman and a farmer and on back uh, to where when they first came here, uh, mostly they just grubbed out a living doing farm work, and then uh, later on extended uh, uh, their uh, livelihood into raising cattle and, and uh, things like that. But uh, a lot of them were f- perpetual farmers; they sh- they farmed all their life. Farmers, cattlemen, and uh, and very very closely knit community. Very very closely. Borrowed from one another, <coughs> swapped work with each other, uh, uh, just uh, almost uh, everybody was almost one family because they were so close and dependent actually upon each other. And uh, and I can uh, from having observed my grandfather and uh, my father, I can understand that, that way of living, and that some of it brushed off on me. Uh, I, 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 into learning and loving farming and raising my own vegetables and crops and things of that nature and got into the raising a few cattle and a few horses and uh, you might say I was a chip off the old block but uh, eventually I got away from that and got into public work and, and, and uh, got out in the rest of the world and, and found out they lived a little differently than we did down on the farm but we had uh, a, a good life on the farm um, we we just uh we'd break, our alarm clock was a rooster <laughs> they would uh, uh they would crow at the crack of dawn and uh, so we we got up every morning when the rooster crowed i can't remember having an alarm clock <laughs> and um uh, in 1945 and up until that point up until 1945 uh, we did our homework and all of our reading by kerosene lamps uh, a little lamp that you would light and it burned kerosene and you you, you kind of get around it and strain to read and that's probably the reason I'm wearing glasses today is because I, I learned how to read by, by kerosene lamps uh, now in 1945 we got electricity uh, so Somewhere around that time, uh, 45, 46, we also had a telephone. And children today would look at me in amazement and say, how would you make it without a cell phone? How in the world did you make it? Well, we didn't know what they were, so we didn't miss them. Uh, But, uh, yes, uh, we were so happy that we got electricity. I can tell you one more story. When I was serving in Korea in 1953, uh, 54, um my daddy wrote me and said guess what and i couldn't imagine what he was about to say he said we got inside plumbing (laughs) that was in 1953. wow so um, it it took a long time to get all the conveniences that uh, we everybody enjoys now they had to get them one at a time Uh, typical school day started with uh, me putting on a pair Of uh, shorts when I was just a a young man uh, because I uh, didn't have a pair of long britches we I was wearing shorts and that was the cheapest thing that they could put me in so mama could make a pair of shorts out of most any rag that she had and so uh, i never will forget my father my uncle stopped by the house one day and asked my daddy if he could take me to town to buy me a pair of long britches and I was probably in Oh, I was probably four or five years old. So I got my first pair of long britches when I was four or five. Thank God before I started school. Uh, But school uh, was like, uh, uh, well, we had school bus that picked us up. No matter where we lived, the bus would pick us up. And, uh, of course, for the first few years and until I got in about the third grade or something, I went to school barefooted. And uh, so, but it did have some long britches, uh, thanks to my uncle. And um, the school was um, just one great big happy family, believe it or not. Um, uh, very uh, uh, interesting uh, to a country boy like me, because uh, uh, we had some discipline there that, uh, that I appreciated because we had that at home too. And uh, we also had a learning situation where it seemed that uh, everybody was uh, supposed to succeed. Uh, there was no room for failure because everybody had to learn to read. Everybody had to learn to write. Everybody had to learn, we called it arithmetic. Uh, they call it math and algebra and all geometry and all that stuff now, but we call it arithmetic uh, no matter what it was. <laughs> but uh, we, I had a good time in school. Met friends, met people long-lasting friends, people I still know I met in in grammar school. Oh, I remember first grade. Actually, I think uh, the reason that they voted me the president of my first grade class uh, is to ta- calm me down a little bit. The teachers had a, um, a way about them. If you uh, were a little disruptive in class, they give you responsibility and that would calm you down. You, 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 you had the that inner feeling that I've got to behave myself because I'm the president of the class. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the reason they, they I think the teacher stuffed the ballot box. <laughs> <laughs> An old wooden house, uh, frame, we call it frame house, uh, no siding and no paint. And uh, it had roll roofing on for the roof, not, not shingles, but it came in a roll like uh, uh, felt. Tar paper and that kind of stuff. You know, they just rolled it out and uh, stuck it down with tar, and um, you would never see an air conditioner in a window, uh, much less have a inside big stand-up unit in a closet or anything like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't find that. So, uh, it it kind of fit the 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 whole situation. Uh, You could look at it and tell that some folks that weren't well off. We call them poor folks. Uh, Owned the house because they couldn't afford to paint but uh, you know what I looked at we were out of the weather and we had shelter and and I really didn't know the difference in a mansion and a shack Uh, it was it was still a mansion to me because that's all I had ever known and all I had ever been exposed to and I had no reason to be envious of anyone else because we didn't get around much we kind of stayed we were home uh, bodies. We stayed at home mostly. We didn't do a lot of rambling because we didn't have a car to start with. But if we wanted to do any visiting, we'd have to walk. And I remember that well. I remember those days well, where Daddy, and Mama really um, did without uh, the what now you might call a necessity of life to have the necessity of life back then, which was food and shelter. Um, and so they did without the automobiles, and they couldn't afford it anyway. So just as well and remember them very well um uh, uh, walking to work when they we worked for other people in the community they'd have to walk but and standing in the yard you mentioned that uh, actually our yard was uh, one of the best uh, groomed yards in the community we hoed our yards clean there was not a sprig of grass growing in our yard Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the way we, we kept it up because we didn't have one of those push lawnmowers. Is what they called them back then, with the little blades that turn around and around and around. You know, you can see. Um, we so Mama would tell us uh, at a young, very young age. They would say, uh, Mama would say, "All right, boys, go get the hoe. I had one brother. I say, "Go get your hose and let's we're gonna have to hoe the yard and clean all the grass out." that's that's we had no need for a lawnmower just a shark well I'll tell you uh, to begin with when it when the chores started at the crack of dawn when we heard the rooster (laughs) well our chores then began because when I got up a little older uh, old enough to do some things that adults did uh, I uh, daddy had gotten a milk cow and had taught me how to milk Uh, And so I would go out and and give the cow food and uh, have my milk bucket and a little stool, and I'd sit on that stool and and get our milk. And uh, you're talking about somebody appreciating something, but I appreciated that because I knew that then I would have milk for breakfast uh, every morning, and Daddy would have milk for his coffee, and Mama would then have cream that she could make butter out of, and she churned butter and made homemade butter, and then what was left from the churning of the butter was what we made into buttermilk. And so not only did we have fresh milk, uh, but we had skim milk after she got the um, um, cream off of it to make the butter, but we had butter, and then we had buttermilk. And so it was a product that was uh, lasted forever around around the kitchen you know you could eat but you have the butter for uh, several weeks and uh, of course um, we had uh, a way of preserving it too we had what they call an ice box and uh, I have a story to tell you about that ice box mama and uh, that's that's a a little refrigerator what you would call it nowadays that uh, got its cooling from the ice itself we didn't have electricity so you put the ice in the box kind of like you would a chest now that you go camping with. You put the ice in that uh, cooler and keep your drinks cool. But Mama would buy 100 pounds of ice every week to keep us in ice and keep our food preserved that way. Uh, One Wednesday, which was the day the Iceman was supposed to show up, my brother and I were on the front porch with my, uh, on the back porch with my mother, and uh, she just out of the blue says, boys, I don't have any money today. I can't buy any ice. So I want to tell you how proud my mother was when the ice man pulled up. She said, she didn't say to him she didn't have any money. She said, we don't need any ice today. <laughs> and I thought, I said she handled that pretty well. <laughs> uh, I'd have to help Mama with a wash. Uh, we had a pitcher pump, and we'd have to pump the water. And, um, and Mama would wash the clothes by hand because we didn't have electricity. So she'd—I uh, say by hand. She'd have a. She had an old tub there that, uh, with a scrub board, and uh, she'd put those clothes on that board after she got them soaked up, and she'd scrub them on that board and clean them uh, until they got clean, and uh, rinse them out, and uh, put them on the clothesline and I, that, my job was to pump in the water and uh, doing anything Mama wanted me to do in preparation of getting those clothes clean, uh, even to the hanging up of the clothes. I went out to the clothesline with her, uh, that she hung the clothes on with clothespins, and uh, I, my job was to hold the bag of clothespins so she could just reach right there, wouldn't have to bend over. I could hold them so she'd just reach in and get them and hang up those clothes. And uh, that was my job, because I was too little to do anything else. uh, I still hadn't learned how to wash clothes, but I I did assist mama in the pumping the water and, and having to hang clothes up. Another chore that we had was, mama would tell us every now and then, if you boys want something to eat, and she called it supper, if you want any supper tonight, you you won't have to catch us one of those chickens out there. We had our chickens just running loose. Uh, I don't know what they ate since we hoed our yard. They had to go somewhere else to get something to eat because we didn't feed them. And uh, my brother and I had the job of catching one of those chickens, and Mama would clean them after we caught them and and prepare them. And we had chicken for supper most every time. And So we persevered in that regard. We we didn't stop until we caught us something to eat. <laughs> it was either that or do without and that's just what she told us on the weekends we would uh, load up after daddy was able to get an automobile and uh, he would pack his fishing gear mama would pack her grits and uh, we, she called it lard her grease that she'd fry the fish in and uh, flour she would take flour to make biscuits and so she had everything she needed except the fish and she depended wholly on us, uh, two boys, and her too, uh, and Daddy to catch those fish. So we'd have something to eat for the weekend. We'd leave Friday afternoon, come back Sunday afternoon. And so Daddy could go to work Monday. And um, and I, I never will forget, Daddy and Mama slept outside. And my brother and I slept inside the old car. And I slept in the back floorboard. It had the old... Uh, axle came came through there and it had a, a round thing that I had to sleep on uh, it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world but but I was out of the weather and the mom and daddy saw that we didn't if it was bad inclement weather we were we were comfortable you know as comfortable as can be in those day and times mm-hmm. uh, so yeah we, we went fishing and we thoroughly enjoyed that 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 and uh, I go hunting with my daddy mm-hmm. and uh, I never will forget the time we went hunting daddy had one shell for a shotgun and no way of buying another one because he didn't have any money and he said they're going to have to make this one count so we were shooting a certain bird that has later uh, been protected but it wasn't protected then and uh, they were kind of in a swarm and uh, well actually it was curlews and it's the white pond birds that you see that that have the crooked bill They have a crooked bill that's what we call the curlews they weren't protected then and they were fair game daddy I said shoot him daddy shoot him he said I've got to get them lined up I got to kill more than one I only have one one bullet one shell and so he got them all together and he killed three of those birds with one shot and you talk about happy but it didn't take much to make us happy Uh, food was one of them that made us happy clothing was made us happy And uh, having somebody to take care of you when you needed uh, comfort uh, made us happy. And so that's all we needed. Realizing that mother and daddy didn't have any money, uh, I was totally surprised and as tickled as I could be when my brother and I both got the same present. He got one and I got one. It was a little toy caterpillar. And uh, you wound it up and uh, it had rubber tracks on both sides of it that would make it go and on the front it had a little blade a little tiny blade about this high and about this long and it would um, uh, go until it wound down then you'd stop it and wind it up again we both got one of those and we were the proudest uh, that we could ever be for for the and that's all we got and uh, we didn't get much we knew we didn't expect much Uh, and and the other thing about uh, those days was, uh, and I, I can't help but think about it every time I hear a, a young child tell their mother, I don't like this, Mama. And she gets up and cooks him something else, or cooks her something else, because they don't like it. And my Mama, you, I have to tell you, you know already what my Mama would say. Well, if you don't eat that, that you don't get anything else. That's all we've got. And uh, so... I ate what my mother put before us. That was part of my um, uh, learning to get by with what you had and what uh, the good Lord had given us. And a lot of times it was nothing in the world but a pot of beans but we sat there and ate beans until we got full. And uh, I never did tell my mama that I don't like it. I guess that's why I could eat anything you put before me now. Mm -hmm. Because anything she put before me then I ate, I had to. Back when Uh, when I was uh, just a young fellow uh, my grandfather um, well actually before I was born my grandfather uh, told my mother and father who had just gotten married that if they would allow him to live with them that he would build a home for them and uh, they agreed to that right away because daddy would never have been able to afford that on his own so grandfather uh, having been in the cattle business and a farmer all of his life had a little money saved what was his name? Sam or Samuel Cumby, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was uh, way back uh, well he told me and I'll get back to the, to the home in just a minute he told me one time uh, son he's standing there and he's looking around he said I could have bought all this land I wanted here for 25 cents an acre when I first settled in here. And he said, you know what the problem was? I said, no, sir. He said, I didn't have the quarter. Twenty-five cents an acre. That same land, not not that land, but a ten-acre plot of land was left to me uh, from him to my daddy and from my daddy to me. That ten acres of land that I sold four or five years ago, Grandpa could have bought for $10. Uh, 2 Two dollars and fifty cents, ten quarters, ten quarters. He could have bought that ten acres of land uh, for two fifty. I got uh, three hundred thousand dollars for it. That's two generations, mm-hmm. uh, uh, almost three generations, and that's what money will has done. But Grandpa uh, built an old frame house after Daddy and Mother gave him consent to live with them. Uh, and he he had a bedroom right across the hallway from from us uh, my my brother and i and uh, we all um, went outside to use the bathroom because we didn't have inside plumbing. i i could hear grandpa getting up at night and i know grandpa was having to go to the bathroom you know and it's about a 30 yard walk from the house out to the outhouse and uh Grandpa lived with us until he passed away, and he was a very good tenant in the house that he built. And uh, he ate, just like we were, uh, he ate what was put before him and never complained. Not one time did I ever hear him complain about what he had or didn't have. But my grandfather had what he had in spite of uh, the Great Depression, uh, and he lost all his money in, 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 in the bank in the Depression, didn't have a dime, went up to get it, and they said, we don't have any money, your money's gone. He never trusted a bank again after that, he never. And uh, when Grandpa would get up to, to out of his chair to go somewhere, he'd always reach around behind and pat his rear end to see if he had his bill full. He had his bank, that's where he kept his money. Mm-hmm. And, and for years and years and years, I would see him Uh, Counting his money, seeing how much he had in the bank. uh, We never paid a bill by mail uh, any other way. We always paid them in person, every bill we ever had. uh, uh, I don't ever remember seeing Mama write a check to pay an uh, electric bill, because we didn't have electricity to start with. But uh, to pay any kind of bill, she'd always, uh, on Saturday, go to town, because her saying every time we got enough money to pay a bill she said we got to go pay some bills and so we that meant we'd go to town and uh, a lot of times we would get uh, uh, they would buy us a hamburger they were five cents you get a hamburger for a nickel and uh, they'd have enough money that they could buy us a hamburger for lunch and I was kinda look forward to those trips in town I get to see a lot of things and buy nothing well you didn't get to buy anything but we saw uh, everything we enjoyed looking not crowded, not crowded at all. Uh, you had plenty of room to walk, and uh, customers uh, were nice to each other. Uh, nobody ever had a bad word of, of uh, why this line isn't moving, or why you just stood there and waited on your turn to pay the bill or to cash out if you bought something. Uh, uh, we had, and um, like the thing that I remember most is when you go to town, you think you're going to be just overrun with people there wasn't that many people Uh, not like it is today and it was uh, a a, quite a thrill to us to get away from the farm and uh, and visit uh, uh, with our uh, people in town Uh, I knew I didn't know any of them but uh, all of them treated us like we were family and uh, that's one one thing I remember mostly is uh, everybody was friendly I was about 10 years old, and, uh, of course, Daddy couldn't hire anyone because we didn't have the money to pay him And I had an older brother. He was doing another chore. So they harnessed harness the horse for me, hooked her up to the plow, and told me to plow the peas or the corn or whatever it was that I had to plow. And uh, I had to reach up for the plow handles. I couldn't maneuver the plow very well. All I could do was just hold on, hold on to it. And uh, good thing we had a horse that knew what she was doing because I certainly didn't know what I was doing. But uh, I learned real quick not to plow anything up that we had growing because that was our livelihood and daddy wouldn't stand for me to be plowing up his crop. Well, so we dirtied the, the peas or dirted the corn with the plowing. Uh, it didn't take me long to catch on to it. Uh, so uh, then I had a job from then on. I, Uh, Once once I did it, uh, they said, well, you know, you need to plow so-and-so, and and I just take for granted that uh, I knew how to do it, and we did it. Uh, Mama and Daddy would have uh, uh, some of the uh, colored folks working for them sometimes, and it would come up uh, lunchtime, and uh, they would uh, fix, uh, prepare a plate for the colored people, and they take it out on the back porch. And uh, they had to sit out there and eat it. They couldn't come in and eat it at our table. And uh, that's something else I took notice of. I thought to myself, "How would I like to be treated that way?" And what have they done to uh, to deserve this kind of, of this kind of treatment? And uh, it's kind of hard for a child to understand that. But uh, I never was comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, I learned from all that. Um, I, I have. I was old enough to know that there some, was not something right about uh, not treating your fellow man like you would want to be treated. And so uh, I think I picked up some pointers from that in a direction that uh, some of the segregationists probably wouldn't have liked. Uh, maybe I took the opposite view from it, and um, I've never been sorry that I did. All of my predecessors, people that came before me... Um, were hard-working people. Uh, I didn't know of one that depended on someone else to, to help them out and help them along the way. Everybody was self-supporting. Uh, although, however, it was the best living, um, the best livelihood in the world, they made it somehow. And, uh, and they did it on their own. And, and uh, that was handed down, by the way, from generation to generation. And nobody expected anybody to support them or help them in any way other than to loan them something that was repayable. And we always, when we borrowed something, if we go down and borrow a can of tomatoes from someone or a can of beans or whatever, we always took them a can back. We always paid them back. But we never was too proud to to borrow. If you're hungry, you're going to do what you have to do. And so we, we borrowed and we paid back. My thoughts on that are uh, kind of varied from what others may think. Uh, I don't think it's um, um, doing any particular harm where it is, although some people look at that uh, statue as, as, as supporting what they may uh, think about uh, certain races and uh, that maybe one race is better than another or whatever. Um, it, I I would hate to see it destroyed because it does represent an era and a period in in our time, in our uh, history of uh, uh, our nation uh, that we all went through, uh, although we may have done some things that some people would disagree with, we did some things that others did agree with. I'd hate to see it done away with altogether, but if there's going to be a point of contention with government— And those folks that uh, disagree with what maybe it might represent, uh, maybe it could be moved. And I really have no, uh, uh, I have no uh, preference about where it would be moved to other than I hate to see a $1,600 statue uh, that was uh, raised by some some, uh, nice ladies uh, many years ago destroyed. that's a small price to pay for um, a big part of history. And I'd hate to see that done away with all the good. And, and besides that, listen, doing away with a statue um, doesn't do away with what happened. And um, it's still there. It's, uh, it's in black and white and it's been written about and everything. So you can't destroy that. Um, you can destroy a monument to what some people might think uh, was... Uh, uh, some bad things about some people uh, that happened, and uh, but you can't destroy what happened, and so put it where it'll still be visible, uh, and uh, some people will uh, will realize uh, without prejudice maybe one day what it represents, and you don't always have to look at a, a picture or a flag or, or, or for people's actions to to get the real picture. Sometimes you get the real picture by well, not even looking at all that stuff. Uh, so maybe some people will get the real picture uh, if they don't destroy it and they put it someplace. I, I'd say uh, let's keep it intact in and put it wherever they want to put it. If, if, if they don't think it should be in a, a public place, a city-owned park, uh, if they don't want to take sides in this thing or one way or the other, uh, then put it someplace where uh, it won't be quite as... Uh, confrontational. That'd that suit me.